The Start On Demand. On demand. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb back together again after I took last week off. Although I ended up still working kind of a lot, so I think I need tips on how to vacation better. On today's podcast, we'll hear from Winnipeg Animal Services on that vicious dog attack that happened over the weekend on Pembina Highway. Three people were hurt, two of them life-altering injuries. An agreement is reached in the Wet'suwet'en saga. Now what? And be a lady, they said. That's the video that was released last week. It's a powerful video. It's been shared millions of times. And as International Women's Day approaches, we will speak with the co-chair of the National Youth Working Group on Gender. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Monday, March 2nd podcast for The Start. Nice to be back, guys. We missed you, man. Did you really? Yes, we did. we did, and we probably said it on the air at least once a day. Feels oh, like it's been longer than a week. Really? Yeah. Well, did it feel? Did your vacation feel longer than a week? I doubt it. No, well, it, my, we, it was actually kind of a blur this week. It was a busy, busy week. I had Monday Night Raw uh, last Monday, which was great, but that was kind of a it was like a four hour show, so that's a long time to be holed up at Bell MTS Place. But I had three. Stops on my I Love to Read tour, which was super fun. But uh, and then I had the couch potatoes on Thursday, so it in some ways it it didn't quite feel like a week off. Are there T-shirts available for your I Love to Read tour? <laughs> I should get one. <laughs> I should get one. There were seven stops. That's really tour. impressive. It's an impressive, impressive tour calendar. Do you have a favorite question you were asked? I think the. Uh, <laughs> Well, it was just such a weird range. Like Friday, for example, I think was a perfect cross-section of the kind of stuff that you face when you go into a situation with kids for these I Love to Read because I went to beautiful Savior Lutheran School on Birchdale Avenue, which is off Lindale Drive. Sidebar, that is a beautiful little community. I never get to go in there, and holy smokes, it is nice. But uh, I read to the whole school because it's a small religious school, uh, maybe 100 kids, and the age range was K to 8. Actually, daycare. There were preschoolers there to grade 8. So the kids in the front row, the preschoolers, were asking, how did Peg build a bed inside the whale? Because I read Peg and the Whale, which uh, was a, a story of this girl who wants to catch a whale, and she gets swallowed up by the whale and builds herself a little bed inside the whale. So the, the little ones are asking about that. And then other kids are asking, "Are you? do you have the coronavirus? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> They're thinking about it. I think everybody's thinking about it, Loren. How did you answer that, Brett? I said, no, I don't have the coronavirus. Does, do members of your family have coronavirus? <laughs> oh, wow, like a follow-up. Oh, it's yes. funny, but also sad to think that these kids are hearing about it and and then having their own worries at such a young age. And it was at, at least three schools, coronavirus was one of the wow. questions that they asked. So, th- so there were some serious questions from the kids, but other I, often I was asked... Who's your favorite superhero? Do you like cats? Uh, why don't you have any kids? Do you have a girlfriend? How how much do you get paid? <laughs> so it was fun, man. It was all a good questions, experience. All questions your parents have asked you at one point or another. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you have a girlfriend yet? What's the matter with you? Oh, that's cute. But yeah, it was fun. So that was good. And uh, I'm happy to be back. Although I will tell you that after going to bed for eight straight days at two, three, four in the morning, getting up. At two, 
3 in the morning today was uh, a bit of a shock to the system. The alarm went uh-huh. off at 2, but I did not get out of bed until 3. So, yeah. But, hey, happy to be back. And I see there's uh, we've got a new addition in our studio here. Uh, just to, to bring you behind the curtain, I walk in, and there's a cardboard cutout of Taylor Swift in oh. our studio. So... Well, we've been going through this. We're moving downtown in what? What's the countdown now? Maybe two weeks? A little less than two weeks? I think it's so two weeks today we'll be on they, the air from downtown. Or is it three they, weeks today? They've been unearthing weeks. all this stuff, right? Like, And so I think Bob Irving came in to get his old Shania Twain poster. <laughs> That Classic. somebody un- yes that uncovered and now this there's this Taylor Swift cutout and there's like random CDs left around from you know different eras that people are taking home. It's 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 like it's like cleaning out the ultimate closet, but decades old. It did feel nice. I cleared off my desk before I went before I took the week off, and it was nice to come back today to this fully clean desk. I took all the bo- but now I just have a box of books sitting at home that I don't quite know what to do with because I don't have any room on my bookshelf. My bookshelf is full of books that I just haven't read. <laughs> what is it with the books and displaying of the books? <laughs> Makes you look smart, I think. Yeah, yes, this look, is what I've read, look not at, really read. Look but at my collection of books. <laughs> I'm... I'm Consuming them by osmosis, with any luck whatsoever. <laughs> uh, the only, and uh, I have, I've taken home so many books from work, great books that I intend to read, but I inevitably, if I do pull a book off that shelf, it will be Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> How do you have the attention span to read? Like, do you have to sit with a fidget spinner and uh, other things going on whilst reading a book? I have to probably put my phone in a vault. Yeah. Like a timed vault that I won't have mm-hmm. access to for an hour. I Actually, that's, that's, a, go. that's maybe what I need to do to get through a tel- an hour of television at home. So. You should lock up your phone. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Sorry, I just kind of thought about that for a second. A, a timed box in which I cannot access the phone in spite of my best efforts. When I was on vacation last month, I put the phone in the safe at the hotel and left it there for the entire week. Oh, really? And it was awesome. The yeah. whole week? The whole week, I did not did not have that phone on me once. Nice. And it was amazing. So you should give it a shot. What about pictures when you go on vacation? Well, then kids kept saying, or sorry, I kept saying to someone, can someone take a picture of this? Because so everybody else had their phone. So you never really have to worry about that. It's not like it's not like somebody in your group or family isn't taking pictures. So I was fine with it. And it was great. It was super relaxing and not to have you know your phone beep or send you alerts for different things or what have you. So... Yeah, it's it's cathartic. You should do it. Okay, I will try to do that. At 6.45, we are going to have uh, an extended conversation on coronavirus because, Greg, as you mentioned, uh, the fact that these kids are asking me about coronavirus. You went to various kids' sporting events over the weekend, and coronavirus is the prevailing topic, it seems, no matter where you go. Yeah, if it's not conversation about the sport that you're at or the Jets and what they're up to, Really, coronavirus is what everyone is talking about and the concerns about it. Uh, I ran into someone the other day that was on a plane the previous day and sitting beside someone from Italy who was coughing and wheezing. We are very focused on China and the outbreak there. But of course, northern Italy has been extremely hard hit by the coronavirus. They have their own little quarantine area as well. Uh, The whole idea of how many flights have been cancelled, in particular in Europe, uh, various airlines cancelling short-haul trips, and there have been some very large conventions that have been cancelled as well. So uh, we may be just seeing the beginnings Mm -hmm. of the effects on this in North America, McNabb. 
we have requests out this morning too to some of the school divisions because also every single year you have different high school groups that will plan trips overseas uh, to Europe or what have you. And so there are questions about whether those trips will proceed or with whether they'll be delayed or canceled. I know my own family, we're looking to head to some travel and you start to think, you know, what's your timeline? Should you go sooner? Should you go later? Will it, you know, how much worse will this get and where you'll be going? So there's just all sorts of questions for people. And, and you're right, Brett, like kids are talking about it. It does get brought up with kids. And, and even the question about, um, I was asked in my own home, where did this come from? What country was it shipped from? And I realized that the, what they, my son was getting at is he wanted to know if it had come from China and if that's something he's supposed to worry about, which is just crazy to me that they're making, connecting all these dots. March is anti-fraud month, and Winnipeg police are warning of a scam that, as Jeff Brown was telling you in Global News at 7 o'clock, that cost Manitobans $1 million in 2019. How concerned are you about fraud? And your options are extremely, somewhat, I probably should be, not at all. Cast your vote at cjob.com. And just as we were discussing this this morning, almost simultaneously, right after 5 a.m., we got two different emails uh, with two different headlines. One is from Interac that says 6 in 10 Canadians are more worried about fraud than ever before, while another one from Equifax says Canadians are getting more complacent about fraud, mm-hmm. missing the importance of checking credit reports. But, Loren, you kind of sprung into action this morning right after I sent you these emails, right? Well, it's just, it makes you think how often you, because you're using your card so many times in a day, and I very, very rarely have cash on me, then are you going back to double check to make sure all the purchases were yours? So I've actually just changed my app on my phone so that it alerts me every time my credit card has been used, and then I can make sure, yep, that was me, or it wasn't. Jokingly, in our family, my husband will often call me up and say, was that just you that bought that? Because he can't believe how quickly the money is going out of the account. <laughs> and he's he's hopeful that maybe we are getting scammed, I think, so that like we can go back and, and get some money back from the bank. But he's checking all the time. I never am. And so the idea that we're not kind of paying attention to what's going in and out of our accounts, or whether or not we are uh, potential victims for fraud is something that I like. I I for sure have not paid enough attention to, and the scam that Winnipeg police are talking about. I don't know about you guys, but I hadn't even heard of it any before. It's the bank investigator scam. It's cost Manitobans a million dollars last year, and apparently the fraudster calls the victim and tells them there's been a suspicious transaction on their bank account, and then they give the victim. Tell them to go to that toll-free number on the back of the car, but when the victim hangs up and starts dialing, the fraudster is somehow still on the line and starts posing as the bank investigator and then dupes them of their money. I had never even heard of this one before. Technologically, it doesn't even sound that complicated. No. I suspect that only works on a landline because otherwise uh, you would be disconnected from the call. But on a landline, if you go and you you click down on whatever receiver that you have and the uh, disconnect button, yeah, how many times, uh, think back to when you were younger and you actually used a landline, you would go, oh, are you still there? Oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot to hang up. Or if the person on the other end didn't hang up their phone right away, it would be quite a while before the call would be disconnected. So technologically, this is not complicated at all. In fact, the same person, or maybe they they just hand the phone off to somebody else, starts talking to you and asks you to do certain things. 
Now I'm looking at uh, just the details in this one. Police reminding you that a legitimate bank will never ask for payment over the phone. But for me, the, the alarm bell would go off as soon as they say, we need you to hang up and call a different number. Like if you're calling mm-hmm. to get me to pay, why wouldn't I be able to just do it with you if you're the bank investigator? Uh, so that that would set me off. Although, to be fair, if I get a phone call from a number I don't recognize, I just don't answer it. Especially if it's a different uh, area code. Although sometimes these scammers will... Like, I've had phone calls from myself. Yep. Have you ever had that? Of or, course. Yep. Where and my they can phone also, number pops up. They can also just steal a 204 area code. So instead of it being that 188 number, they, there's some, they've got the technology to make it look like this local calls coming in. So then you're more apt to answer the phone. And the thing that always... We said this before. Like, you feel like you're never going to be the person that falls for it. Like the one that I get the most calls about is for me to give them my social insurance number, which you just never do in life. But it clearly is working if they're doing it so often, right? There's people who are falling for it. And it sounds like something, oh, I would never fall for that. But it's happening over and over again to people, like to a ridiculous tone. I think the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre said they received um, double the number of complaints that people have been scammed in Canada uh, in the last year. So it's kind of crazy how successful these things are. Well, especially when we have all this technology now. You were mentioning the fact that you went into your online banking, Loren, and mm-hmm. turned on all these notifications. How many times have you said no to the tutorial when you've signed into your <laughs> right. online banking? It says, hey, we have all these great... Nah, I don't have time for this now. But it's something that we should probably all consider investigating a little bit more deeply because, like you say... All your cards now, I suspect. I know a couple of the ones that I have, I get a notification every single time it's used. And that's a good thing. It's also a bad thing. It can actually help you with your budgeting as well, I suspect. But on the fraud side, there are all these tools. And some of us, for whatever reason, seem to be reluctant to sign up for them. I remember there was a time, I want to say three years ago, where I had a situation with Revenue Canada where I screwed up my taxes and I had to go back and and re-report and refile and essentially fall on the sword and say, I, I messed this up. Can you please accept my apology and, and do what you need to do? So I was waiting months for, uh, you know, as we I went through the various steps with multiple departments in Revenue Canada. But I remember getting an email at work purportedly from Revenue Canada saying your your reissued refund is that whatever amount. And it was in the ballpark of what I was expecting. And I thought, this kind of looks legitimate. Normally I wouldn't pay any attention to this, but because of the situation mm-hmm. I was in, I almost went into it. And then I thought, I better, I better make a phone call here to confirm. So I called them and they said, yeah, we would never send an email like that uh, when it comes to this. So even when you are expecting to hear from somebody, you still need to be vigilant because whether they're calling you on the phone or they're sending you an email, the the scams can be pretty sophisticated. And it's gotten to the point. They make it look point. so real with the oh. email too, right? Like the, the, the logo looks proper mm-hmm. and they've got your right information. And so you could forgive someone for, for like, for being duped. It just seems like it's so simple now. And these scams and the, the prevalence of these, these phone calls now have it to the point where we're li- missing important phone calls from these organizations. You're ignoring phone calls on your phone. And I had one from my bank the other day that left me a message and I was reluctant to call them back because you just don't, don't know what you're setting yourself up for when you return a call, no matter who it's to these days, unless it's your friends or family. 
Public Enemy is a group that has been around since 1985. A lot of people listening to this radio station probably grew up listening to them. No listening question. To them as teenagers, they were uh, prominently featured in that movie Do the Right Thing. They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, and uh, they've, they're a heavily political rap group and i was st- but yet <laughs> at the sort of there's chuck d the main mc and then there's flame you do it greg flavor flame <laughs> yeah boy <laughs> McNabb, are you wearing a clock around your uh, your neck right now like flavor flame i have to, I, I gotta be honest i had to google everything you were talking about just now <laughs> just try to just to try to catch up yeah no i i definitely don't have the clock on but we're talking about the fact that they're they've can you? They fired Flavor Flav from their group, right? That's what's been done. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've ousted him over a spat over Bernie Sanders' endorsement. I guess what happened is uh, Public Enemy was going to go at. They were going to appear at a Bernie Sanders uh, campaign event, and Flavor Flav. Yeah, leave the music up there, Forte. Flavor Flav sent out a cease and desist letter saying, "Hey, this is not Public Enemy's endorsement. This is Chuck D's endorsement." And Chuck D said, "That's enough." It's not about Bernie with Flav. He don't know the difference between Barry Sanders or Bernie Sanders. Barry Sanders, by the way, Greg, is whom? He is a running back or former running back for the Detroit Lions, and that got Garth Brooks into a bunch of hot water on Thursday night when he wore a Bernie Sanders, there I see, I said it, a Barry (laughs) Sanders jersey on stage. And, of course, Barry Sanders wore number 20 for the Lions. So he had a 20 on the front, 20 on the back, 2020, and the last name Sanders, and people who didn't know anything about about football, we're like, oh, Garth Brooks has gone all Democrat on us. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, maybe that's what happened to Flavor Flav. Yeah. Well, hey, now that he's out of public enemy, maybe he can do another season of Flavor of Love. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. What Please, was that? No. It was like a, the trashiest <laughs> version of The Bachelor that you can imagine. It was just a bunch of trashy women throwing themselves at Flavor Flav, uh, one of whom was um, Bridget Nielsen. Correct. But then there was a follow-up show, Loren, called Rock of Love which featured Brett Michaels, which to this day remains one of my favorite shows of all time because yeah. it was such garbage. It was so trashy. <laughs> Brett Michaels of Poison? Yes. It was wow. amazing. Huh. You'll have to look that up, McNabb. I don't know. I, that might be a rabbit hole I don't want to go down. You definitely want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> and if you don't want to go down that one, uh, you can watch the Comedy Central Roast of Flava Flav, it's very entertaining. Oh, I'll have to look that yeah, up. Yeah, it's good. But all right. I don't know if we've seen anything like this in, in years where all these, you know, celebrities who they endorse or don't endorse gets people so fired up. Like, mm-hmm. Neil Young wrote a letter to Donald Trump. People have cease and desist on him using their songs. Then you have this Flava Flav being kicked out of the group for po- po- politics. Like, yeah, it's fascinating. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb all back together after I took last week off. Didn't go anywhere. Didn't, you know, no trip or anything. In fact, I still ended up working half the time. I was up uh, creating an Instagram story for you guys for the next morning. I think I, I noticed. <laughs> I think I did that yep. three of the five nights. You're the worst on vacation. I I felt bad. I was like, almost phoned you up at 5 a.m. and was like, stop it. And I was like, you know what? I enjoy the work, though. So it's like a double-edged sword for you. Yeah, as I was doing it, I thought, because there was one night where I spent over an hour doing this Instagram story, and I thought... I really need to learn how to vacation properly because mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is bad. This is bad. I got to untether. It's the phone. It is the phone. I think uh, Loren and I are going to chip in and buy you a safe. 
yeah. for your phone for the next time around. How's that? <laughs> so you can lock it up at night. <laughs> Need like a chastity belt for my phone. <laughs> <laughs> the equivalent of that. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, by the way, follow us on Instagram if you don't. By the, we like to we put a lot of effort into keeping the story up to date every morning and throughout the afternoon as well here on CJOB. Loren, what are we doing at eight oh seven? Well, we've been talking about that brutal dog attack on Pemina that left the dog's owner and one other man with what police were saying were life-altering injuries. We've got more questions about how this could happen. We know two of the dogs were put down, two are in care of animal services, and we've since learned they were bulldogs, not what was originally identified as pit bulls. And so after eight, we're talking with animal services because we've got a lot of listeners weighing in about the idea that it's not about the breed of the dog or the number of dogs, but potentially how they're trained and their owners. And so we want to talk about how dogs can turn wild like this. And in our next segment, an agreement reached in what's so tin, but what is in it, and does it mean the pipeline goes ahead? But now, we have stuff to give away. Two tickets to see Herb Alpert and Lonnie Hall at the Burton Cummings Theatre for Tuesday, April 14th. So call us now at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win these two tickets. By the way, later this morning at 9.15, we've got two ticket vouchers to any Winnipeg ice game at Wayne Fleming Arena. They've clinched, by the way... Exciting times for the ice. Yeah, the very first of three Winnipeg hockey teams that we follow at a higher level to clinch a playoff spot. The Manitoba Moose are probably done. And, of course, the Jets battling it out to see if they can get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. All right. So here's your question at 204-780-6868. And, Loren, I know you're going to like the answer to this question. According to a new study... Our favorite new saying. At least it's Drex's. He's doing a new segment on that. According to a new study. Yeah, who's doing these studies? Uh, According to a new study, most of us do this less than we think we do. What is it? And I'm going to like this answer? Yeah, as it it pertains to me. Ed is on the line at 204-780-6868. Hey, hi, Ed. Hi, good morning. How are you? Doing well, sir. How are you? I'm doing cool today. Do you know the answer? Vacations? No, that's a good one. And I, okay. a lot of, I, I definitely don't vacation enough. But hey, Ed, thank you so much for guessing. So we do this less than we think we do. New study says okay. most of us do this less than we think. What is it? Mm. Bernie, do you know the answer? How about vacuuming? Vacuuming. <laughs> I bet you that's true. <laughs> yeah. I, I can honestly say I don't do it. I don't think I do it enough. I just know that I don't. Bernie, g- great guess, but that's not it. What's the percentage? There's no percentage. It doesn't oh, give the percentage, okay. unfortunately. No percentage. Okay. Let's try Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Do you know? Hi there. I'm thinking flossing. Flossing? Mm-hmm. No, that's not it. But is it the dance okay. move floss? <laughs> or is but it the know, actual flossing or teeth? <laughs> Brett, while you were away last week, we were talking about people who lied to their doctor. And I bet you everyone lies to their dentist when it comes to flossing. Oh. I always say I floss. They're like, you've got great teeth. You must floss. And I'm like, sure. Yeah. I, I don't. I Well, I, the last time I went to the dentist, it had been, I oh my God, just a quick side story. I was so ashamed because they said, is, it, is your address still St. Matthew's? And I thought, oh my God, I haven't lived there since 2010. <laughs> so... Uh, it was a bloodbath. I had to confess, I don't floss nearly enough. Uh, let's try Sean. Sean, according to a new study, most of us do this less than we think we do. What is it? 
I'm going to go a little bit with your previous caller. I'm just going to say brushing your teeth. No, but uh, Ashley and Sean are kind of in the ballpark. Does it have to do with hygiene? Doesn't have to do with hygiene, but it will, it's in that area. But oh, I know. Oh, I know what it is now because it has to do with Brett. <laughs> okay, there's the hint. <laughs> Ed, do you know the answer? Okay, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> I like we that sound. Still it's guess. so definitive. It's like get lost. If you like, don't know, like, you can certainly still guess. <laughs> that's the phone giving the middle finger right there. Yeah. Is what that is. <laughs> Let's try Brenda. Hey, Brenda, do you know the answer? Check your phone messages? No, I'm afraid not. Good guess. I would say it's probably the other way around, though. I think most of us do it more than we think. Or at least uh, more than we care to admit. Yeah. Chris, do you know the answer? What, what, what was the hint you guys said? The question was, according to a new study, most of us do this less than we think we do. What is it? And we had a guess on flossing. We had a guess on brushing teeth. We said it has nothing to do with hygiene, but flossing, brushing, that's the ballpark. Cleaning the bathroom. No, no. Uh, good guess, though. We ran I, out of music. <laughs> <laughs> it has to do with that part of the face. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the hint was Brett. Yes. Brett face. <laughs> Mike, what is the answer? Uh, would it be washing your face? No. No, again, it has nothing to do with hygiene, but good guess. Good guess, Mike. Let's try, uh, is this Patricia? Cutting your hair and nose. Cutting your ha- your nose hairs? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's not it. But uh, okay. thanks, Patricia. And again, it has uh, nothing to do with grooming or hygiene. I like oh. how she thinks you have a hairy nose, though. It's it has to do with Brett's. What what I have sometimes is this fair? Accuse Brett of of um, having yes. And then you don't do this enough. Well, let's try. Yeah. Let's try Susan. Susan, do you know the answer? Uh, is it drinking enough water? No, no, I'm oh. sorry. It's it, 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 it. Well, let's just try Sean. Sean, do you know the answer? <laughs> um, using mouthwash? No, again, it has nothing to do with hygiene or grooming. Just or... that part of the body. Yeah, I think Tim just got it on text at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Well, we need one on call, so let's try this line. Hello there. What's your name? Howard. Howard, do you know the answer? Yeah. Uh, gargle? No, no, that's not it. Again, it has nothing to do with mouthwash, brushing your teeth. just has to do with that part of your face, that specific part of your face. Let's try Josie, 20472. Hi, Josie. Hello. Uh, going to the dentist? No, no, uh, not going to the dentist. Let's try Andrew at 204-780-6868. It's laughing. You're almost oh. there. You're almost there, Andrew, but that's not quite the it. The two go hand in hand. They go hand in hand, but no, that's not it. Let's try this line here. Why? What's your name? Uh, Jim. Jim, do you know the answer? Uh, looking in the mirror? No, that's not it. Do we go with the text, Greg? Denny got the first. Uh, got uh, it right first. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do that because the answer is smile. According to a new study, most of us do this less than we think we do. What is it? <laughs> Smile. 
<laughs> and I don't smile enough. <laughs> you actually smile quite a bit, but you also don't smile quite a bit, if that's fair. So therefore, your resting Brett face yes. should have been the hint. Resting Brett face. I'll never forget the time I was at McDonald's. I was about 10 years old. I had uh, about 25 cents and I was looking at the at the menu. Yep. Smiles free. That's so right. So I went up and I said, can I get a smile, please? Oh, God. And they said, there you go. Here's a smile. I thought maybe it was a toy or something. <laughs> so congratulations, Denny. Great guesses, everybody. I liked the, 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 the dental hygiene theme. It's a good reminder for me that I need to floss more often because I do have to go to the dentist this month. And uh, they are going to yell at me if I don't start you flossing. You will not be smiling after that appointment. No, I will not. Yeah, the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs and the government have come up with a proposed agreement on land rights, and this move could put an end to disputes over the First Nations traditional territory. Despite the step, though, many are cautioning this morning that this arrangement or agreement, it doesn't apply to the coastal gas link pipeline, meaning that project still goes ahead as planned for now. Oh, sorry, uh, Loren, but Global National reporter Mike LeCouture has been closely following the developments, and he joins us now. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, and I think Canadians are, are probably relieved to hear this, but what does this agreement actually mean? Well, it means we're taking another step forward. It doesn't mean that everything is completely solved with regards to any kind of uh, roll, road or rail blockade, uh, and it doesn't mean the whole issue of coastal gas link and that pipeline is resolved either. Good news, today, construction will restart on the project, and it had been sort of put uh, on pause for a little bit by Coastal Gas Link because they said they wanted to respect the discussions that were going to happen between the federal government, the provincial government, and the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs. Uh, And now that that is sort of completed and it seems like we have a pathway forward, uh, that construction will restart. What it will mean for the blockades, that's another question altogether. Um, All of these blockades really first sprung up because they were doing it in in support and solidarity of the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs. The difficulty is, as Mark Miller had noted when he went to visit Tyendinaga in Ontario, um, it's not just about that. It's not just about the solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs. A lot of these people in a lot of these territories have issues that they feel have been ignored for 150 years. And now that they finally feel they have the attention of the federal government, uh, I, I think sort of echoing what Kenneth Deere from Ganawage, just south of Montreal, said yesterday, it's going to be a big decision as to whether or not they pull down the blockades, and they have to have their own internal discussions to figure out if that really is the path forward that they want to take at this moment. I mean, I think you have to put it this way. If for 150 years you felt like you've been ignored by the federal government when you were supposed to have a nation-to-nation discussion, and finally they're paying attention to you, and the whole country is paying attention to you, do you want to give up um, that sort of, uh, you know, side of the stick or that type of advantage, if I could call it that, uh, in, in in just the hopes or the promise that this, the discussions will continue after the blockades come down. And I think that might be what uh, a, a lot of people are weighing at this time. 
That's a great point, Mike, because the idea is, first of all, what's the wet and you have just the land titles that they're talking about and the land rights and how to move forward with those talks. Then you have the pipeline. And then across the country, depending on where you are and why you may have been protesting, it might be about water or it might be about um, sewage on your community. There's all sorts of issues. It could be about child and family services. All sorts of things have been raised. And so this might be a step forward for one band, but it remains to be seen what where we'll go next in terms of these bigger picture conversations, which could take years to work through. Exactly. And you have to remember a few years back when Idle No More started, uh, and of course people in Winnipeg and across the country will remember this, it started as a movement within Indigenous communities against their own leadership, feeling that their own Indigenous leadership was not speaking for them. But then it took on this greater feel across the country where it really was sort of an awakening of Crown Indigenous relations. Um, And this has been almost like a a, a second version of it, maybe not as massive, but certainly this government uh, stood up and and took notice of it uh, and had to because the economy was being affected. And I think Canadians took notice. And at this point, um, there are still very valid issues that are happening in communities and, and difficulties that are happening in Indigenous communities across this country that have been ignored. And they have bubbled to the surface now because of these protests. And maybe the the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs have helped give a voice to it. And these communities may not be willing to give up um, that discussion right now. And they, I think they have to get that guarantee from whatever government it is, either provincial uh, or, or federal. They have to get those guarantees that these discussions will continue. The concerns will continue to be addressed well after the blockades come down. Do you know when we'll actually see details from this agreement, or if we will? I think one of the difficulties that people may need to understand is that this is now in the hands of the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs, and it follows their process, their tradition. So it'll take the time that it needs to take. Um, and having covered Indigenous issues uh, in the past, there is no timeline for this. Um, the Both the Indigenous Services Minister, or sorry, the Indigenous uh, Affairs Minister in uh, B.C. and uh, the Crown Indigenous Relations Minister uh, for the Fed, uh, Carolyn Bennett, are willing to and, and going to return to Smithers to sign uh, this ratified agreement whenever it is ratified. But it has to go back to the uh, Wet'suwet'en people to have discussions around it. It's unclear when this will happen, but I think the bigger question is, will the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs now pick up the phone and call up um, the people who have been manning the the protests along the rail lines in Pindanega and in Ganawage and say, this has our blessing. You, If you are standing up for us and you're, we're standing in solidarity and that was the only reason you were there, the people in Tyndanaga, when I spoke to them, they said all we need is for the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs to pick up the phone and say, this is good enough for us, and we'll pull back. That was a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago. Whether or not that's the same conversation as we just said, um, or if they feel like we have a bit of a, uh, we feel like we can continue to be here to, to have our voices heard and our concerns heard. Uh, but back to your first question, when will all of this uh, be done and when are we going to hear details of it? I, I don't have a timeline and I don't know that the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs do either. Global National Reporter Michael Couture joining us live on 680 CJOB. Mike, thank you for this. Thanks so much for having me.
But right now we want to start this hour with the fact that there are still many questions over what led a pack of, a pack of dogs to turn on their owner and two other people over the weekend. So that vicious attack, we know it happened in the parking lot of the Capri Motel on Pemina Highway. And as we've been telling you, it not only sent those three men to hospital, but two of the victims have been left with life altering injuries. Constable Rob Carver with the Winnipeg Police Service had this insight. You know, I was looking on social media and I see people were questioning about packs of wild dogs, but these weren't packs of wild dogs. These were, um, the, the, these dogs were part of a family of dogs, all, all four of them. And it, it looks like they attacked their owner as well as somebody the owner knew. And, and it was, so I'm sort of stuck because I can't give you detailed information on injuries because I'm barred. And yet from a public concern standpoint, I want to tell you that these are really, really, really serious injuries. Leland Gordon is the Chief Operating Officer of Animal Services for the City of Winnipeg, joins us now. Good morning, Leland. Good morning. This is obviously a very disturbing story for anyone that that loves and, and cares about animals. Do we have any idea what might have led to these dogs to attack? Or can we talk about that maybe in a broad sense of what leads an, animals uh, to do this? Well, we, we have an idea of what, what caused the attack. It's important, like as you just played, that, that we understand, the community understands these are just not random dogs, you know, that were running a community and attacking random people. Um, these these dogs were owned uh, by people um, who were staying at that location. Um, the dogs turned on the owner and an acquaintance, uh, as Mr. Carver said earlier. Um, I don't want to get into too much details about what, what caused that, um, but uh, in, in broad senses, you know, um, there's lots of things people can do as pet owners, as we all know, to, to make sure our dogs are friendly. Um, it's very rare, of course, that dogs would attack their own owner. So we're talking more about the idea that, and again, keeping this on a broad sense, not specific to this, that generally speaking, there was lots of conversation, even, you know, when we first thought they might be pit bulls, that that's a kind of breed that might be predisposed for certain kind of behaviors. And then we learned they were bulldogs. But but is it fair to say that generally speaking, it doesn't matter what kind of dog it is, that, that, that the violence is, shouldn't happen? It is re- rare unless they're trained to potentially well, be violent? There's, there's lots of things that people can do. Let me just run over these basics real quick. You know, if you get a dog, Dogs, especially, you know, these breeds like, you know, American pit bulls or mastiffs or cane corsos, you know, these strong, muscular dogs, you know, you have a dog that is, you know, you need to be more responsible than the person that, say, has an Dalmatian, right, or a toy poodle. Um, these dogs can grow up to be lovely dogs, but there's things you need to train them, you know, you need to train your dogs. If you have behavior problems, you need to hire a trainer. If you can't afford a trainer, there's lots of YouTube videos out there. Of course, you need to spay and neuter your pets. You know, these, none of these dogs were spayed and neutered. None of these dogs were licensed. Um, that doesn't help the situation when you have essentially a pack of own dogs that are out running together. Um, you need to think about how, are, how is your dog raised? You know, is your dog, are your dogs being exposed to violence as they grow up? Um, are, are your dogs being exposed to criminality? You know, a lot of times dogs will, will turn around and act like their owners or become protective. Because um, what we have here is an awful scenario um, that led to lots of police resources being used, lots of animal services being used. We have an owner who has life-altering injuries, which we feel sorry for, of course. We have an acquaintance of that person that is also significantly injured. So it's, a, it's critical that um, we do things as a community that when we get dogs, no matter what kind of dog, um, that we become responsible owners 
that we ensure that we give all the all those tools and we use all those tools to make sure that our dogs have a good life and positive outcomes. These were American Bulldogs. Is this kind of behavior unusual for that breed? Well, I, I, I'm not saying these dogs are American Bulldogs. I'm saying that these dogs, from initial looking at these dogs, um, you know, some sort of American Pit Bull Terrier mix. But I don't want people to say that, oh, you know, all Pit Bulls, um, yes, we have a, a Pit Bull band. It's called if there's three breeds that are prohibited in Winnipeg that have been prohibited since 1990. They were banned in 1990 after a string of horrific attacks of those types of breeds on residents in Winnipeg by council. Uh, it, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, you, a dog, how a dog behaves is how it, it's raised in our community. Can we just clear up that you just said you weren't sure, we, we don't know what kind of breed they are right now because two of them are in your care right now, correct? Leland? Right. So we're, we're going to be, this just happened this past weekend. So we're going to yeah. be doing a more thorough review. Um, at from preliminary looking at the pictures, there's some sort of American pickle terrier mixes. They don't seem to be uh, purebred. There are, you know, as we know, there's uh, the, the American Kennel Club, the Canadian Kennel Club, the United Kennel Club, and in our bylaw, if you want to look at it, there's a section that talks about prohibited dog breeds, um, and there are breed standards. So, um, you know, we see these dog shows on TV, right? And all these dogs have certain standards to what makes an American pickle terrier, what makes a you know, a mastiff or a cane corso. And so that's how we, when we look at these dogs, we look at those standards. The very sad thing is, especially with my staff, is we have two dogs that are shot, that are riddled with bullets, and that also are, have rigor mortis that are sitting in our facility right now. So my main concern is, um, you know, when we think about charges, right, um, I also have to remember we have an, an owner um, who's torn apart and who's had uh, life-altering injuries and, and an acquaintance of his. So my primary concern is the residents of Winnipeg is that all these dogs are, are no longer on the streets. Um, and then we're going to continue our investigation and to see what, what are we going to do with the remaining dog that's alive, which is an adult. And then we also have a puppy. Um, we don't believe that puppy was involved whatsoever. Um, and then, of course, we're going to talk to the owners at some point this week. Leland, we you spoke uh, eloquently and described, uh, you know, the idea that if we have uh, any breed of dog, uh, but in particular, you listed a few, that if we want them to behave, you have to train them. On the other side of that equation, if you wanted to train certain dogs to be vicious, to do certain things, perhaps fight one another, how easy is it to do that? Uh, it, it, so let me tell you, we don't have pit bull fighting rings in Winnipeg, okay? But those are things that you see in the States. You know, for years I ran animal shelters in the States also before I worked for the city of Winnipeg. Um, what, I, what I'm saying is, is that, um, you know, yeah, there's lots of uh, tough dogs out there. You know, a lot of times you'll see tough guys getting their tough dogs. Does that make sense? I don't want to stereotype, but, you know, if you, it, it, sometimes people get dogs that kind of match their personality. Um, that's not to say that American Pit Bull Terriers or Staffordshire Terriers or Mastiffs or Cane Corsos or Rottweilers can't grow up to be absolutely lovely dogs, right? We, we know that, you know, we can see that these, these muscular dogs can be lovely. So people need to be super responsible. And, you know, if you've got a dog that doesn't like men or doesn't like um, uh, other dogs, you know, you need to be taking those extra steps. Uh, to train that dog. And if your dog can't be trained out of that problem, 
then you need to do more things than the common owner uh, to ensure that your dog doesn't have a negative impact on our community. Leland Gordon, Chief Operating Officer of Animal Services, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it, sir. Have a good day. How often do you call your IT department for stuff that's breaking down? I know for us, uh, if we did not have our great team of engineers, John, Mike, and Sarah, we uh, would all be dead. I think I? That, that's it. We would be dead. I just this morning, I've been having trouble with our, our system that runs all our clips and everything. And so I emailed Sarah to say, it's not working. And she gave the classic response. Did you power off and <laughs> power really? off? I swear to you. And I said, yes, of course I did. And she's like, can you just do it one more time for me? And sure enough, she's right. That is all I had to do. I just emailed her two minutes ago to say, oh, I am so ashamed to tell you that you are right in this moment. But how much time is wasted by them basically giving you the basics? Like, are you plugged in? Like, you know, did you power off? Is your mouse actually attached to the keyboard? No, these are steps you should check into before placing a phone call to your IT department. So I'm looking forward to that chat because I think I think everyone throws their hands in the air probably too quickly on a lot of uh, technological issues. I remember the first sales course I was ever in. The guy running it is a friend of mine now. And he said, you know, when you're troubleshooting these things, it's important that you qualify all these steps. My car won't start. Okay, so do you have the keys? Starting from the very beginning, if you want to get to the heart of it, quite often it means going to the most simple solution typically works. I think it probably falls in that 80-20 rule 80% of the time. That that one or two uh, simple steps that we all know how to do is going to fix it. It's only 20% of the time that it's a genuine problem. But that's my go-to every single time is even if I have a an unusual situation my iPhone, I just shut it down, power it down, and then turn it back on, and it always seems to work. I don't know why. I guess it's just like uh, the three of us, sometimes you just need a little bit of a nap, a little power down, and then boom, you're ready to go. So we'll have that conversation at 845 with the managing director of Top Desk Canada, but right now... We want to read an email that, Greg, you received from one of our listeners on the subject of cancelling a bucket list trip because of coronavirus. Well, and here's the thing. We were discussing the whole idea of what is happening uh, around the world and the fact that uh, travel is down potentially because of the coronavirus. People are making decisions about travel and whether or not they're going to going to continue to travel. We've heard uh, stories that there are schools in our city that are canceling their uh, travel plans to Europe. We saw what happened in uh, in uh, Paris as well. I think you were talking about that, right, Loren? The fact yeah. that the Louvre has been uh, closed for the past couple of days. So one of our listeners uh, who listens to us very uh, regularly said this, good morning. My husband and I have canceled a bucket list trip to Egypt and Jordan for next week. Wow. You know, that got my radar up. You can't just email me that and not expect a question back. And I wanted to know why they had made that decision. And here is the the, the lengthier response to that question. We aren't afraid of dying from the coronavirus as we are reasonably healthy. 
We are worried about many things. Tourist sites being closed when we get there or being stranded in the Middle East if planes out of Amman, that's in Jordan, are cancelled or being quarantined when we get home. Iran has a lot of cases and this is right next door to Jordan. Lots of different factors in the fact our children asked us to postpone and not put ourselves in harm's way. We plan to go when the situation calms down. Wow. That's got to be a tough change. Having to, you know, you've been looking forward to this trip for God knows how long, mm-hmm. especially if it's the, as they describe, a bucket list trip. So this is something that they've had on their radar for years and years, and then to have to make this difficult decision. Uh, but it is a practical decision, right? You know, the, the possibility of being stuck there or, as they put, being quarantined. But these are the things that we're all kind of having to think about now. Jeff Braun mentioned it earlier. He's He's not really... He's super concerned about coronavirus, but he is flying to Vancouver in a few weeks, and he figures if there's a place that's going to happen uh, with with all the flights coming in and out of China from Vancouver, uh, that could be something to watch out for. How extensive do you think the list is, Loren, when you're making this uh, conscientious decision? Not only it's like, oh, well, you know, uh, you're worried you're going to get sick. No, no, no. It goes far beyond that. It's the ramifications. It's the thing that things that could happen to me if I'm in any part of the world right now and I want to come back, is something going to interrupt the travel? Mm-hmm. Because we've only seen this over the last three weeks, the dramatic change for people that figured that they were places in the world where they didn't have to worry about this. For sure. And I think there's a very basic checklist in that email from our listener that talked about canceling their trip to, to the Middle East is making the point of just the things that they might not be able to do. So now you've spent thousands of dollars to go on this trip, but what if... Um, you you had Egypt, you had the pyramids on your checklist and, and your favorite one's not available or you were going to go to Paris and see the Mona Lisa. Well, guess what? You can't do that today in Paris. So it might not just be about your concerns about your health. It might just be about the things that you can do. And then when you're thinking about your health, you have to decide, is the risk worth it for me? Do I believe the data that says 80% of cases are mild and therefore, you know, I'd still likely probably be okay. And then on the other hand side, I saw people on social media talking about how some flights to certain places were so cheap right now that they're contemplating going because uh, the ramifications of this on an economic scale for airlines and and fewer people uh, going to certain countries will definitely be the legacy for at least a few months. And so that might prompt some people to travel. And it's all it's all confusing for you if you don't know how seriously to take the data that's being presented to us right now. We got a text message from Kelly at 204-780-6868. And uh, this person says, hey, good morning, guys. I just have a comment on the new coronavirus. I keep hearing comments about how people are overreacting and how the flu kills so many more people. However, in reality, this virus at this point has a higher kill percentage than the flu and is only just getting established in the world population. If it was as ubiquitous as the flu uh, was, then there would be potentially millions of deaths worldwide already. I'm certainly not fear-mongering, as I'm not even concerned, as I'm healthy relatively anyways and haven't had a cold or flu in 20 years, but it seems the perspective uh, seems off a little bit, unless I'm missing something. Loren, I would suggest, and Brett, I would suggest that the media has been more often uh, accused of taking this too far and and fear-mongering versus this conscientious and this conscious, uh, what I would consider conscious response and looking at it. I've tried to be balanced in terms of the way I portray my view on this on one side. This does kill more people and has killed more people in Canada, or pardon me, 
I want to make sure I'm very clear on this. The flu has killed far more people in uh, North America than than the coronavirus. However, you have to ask, at least I have to, if China hadn't done what they'd done in terms of shutting down essentially 60 million people, some of the largest cities in the world, where would we be at? So somewhere in between, I think, uh, lies Mm -hmm. the, the heart of this issue. And and I think it's really important to also remember that the data will change on this, right? Not just the numbers of people who are infected but dying, but what they're learning about the disease today might be different than what we thought we knew about it two months ago. And so to keep listening and keep watching and keep reading, I think, is the most important thing because, yes, there are experts, but they only know so much, and their learning curve is super steep now, too. It is thought-provoking, it is enraging, and it is extremely powerful. Be a lady, they said. Your skirt is too short. Your shirt is too low. Don't show so much skin. Cover up. Leave something to the imagination. Don't be a temptress. Men can't control themselves. Men have needs. Look sexy. Look hot. Don't be so provocative. You're asking for it. Wear black. Wear heels. You're too dressed up. You're too dressed down. You look like you've let yourself go. Be a lady, they said. Don't be too fat, don't be too thin. Eat up, slim down. Stop eating so much. Order a salad. Don't eat carbs, skip dessert. Go on a diet. God, you look like a skeleton. Why don't you just eat? You look emaciated, you look sick. Men like women with some meat on their bones. Be a size zero, be a double zero, be nothing. Be less than nothing. Be a lady, they said. That is a clip from the viral video, Be a Lady. And you might recognize the voice behind that. The woman narrating it and featured in the video is, of course, Cynthia Nixon. She's the actress from Sex in the City. And it's basically being held as a film that uh, is a post Me Too movement for the Me Too generation. And days after it was posted on social media, I think just about a week ago, it has been linked and shared tens of millions of times. Here's more. Remove your body hair. Bleach this, bleach that. Eradicate your scars. Cover your stretch marks. Plump your lips. Botox your wrinkles. Lift your face. Tuck your tummy. Perk up your boobs. Look natural. You're trying too hard. You look overdone. Men don't like girls who try too hard. Be a lady, they said. Wear makeup. Highlight your cheekbones. Line your lids. Fill in your brows. Lengthen your lashes. Color your lips. Powder. Blush. Bronze. Highlight. Your hair is too short. Dye your hair, not blue. That looks unnatural. Look young. Old is ugly. Men don't like ugly. It's all about the impossible standards forced on women. And with International Women's Day coming up on March 8th, we wanted to reach out to our next guest for her thoughts. Her name is Alison Kilgore. She's a law student at the University of Manitoba and co-chair of the National Youth Working Group on Gender Equality. Good morning, Alison. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, I have to tell you, this was impactful for Brett and I to watch as men, and I'm not going to speak for for Brett, but I can tell you my first reaction was, oh my God, is it exhausting to be a woman? All the things that you need to think about before you even leave the house in the morning. Yeah, I don't know. I The first time I watched that too, I just kind of had to replay it a couple times, and then I ran to the kitchen, played it for my mom, made her watch it. Um, and just kind of took a minute to take it in because it is a really, really powerful and provocative video. 
Um, but I think it's the kind of conversation starter that we need to keep seeing more of, especially like in the current social climate. Mm. You, you mentioned showing it to your mom. I shared it with my mom and then my sister and then my sister shared it with a bunch of our mutual girlfriends. And I, I think we all struggled to even figure out what emotion we were feeling when we watched it, because on some fronts you were hearing phrases that, you know, you can relate to in terms of maybe the appearance or, or the struggle to be supposed to be sexy, but not sexy and not too provocative and all those kinds of things. And then on the other hand, I was also thinking about the ways we contributed negatively to that conversation, because if we're also doing those things to live up to the standard of a so-called what it is to be a woman we're not helping the conversation either so i was almost conflicted watching it if that makes any sense allison oh no absolutely and i I feel pretty much the same way um the standards that are being imposed on women especially young women are basically not changed um there is some understanding there's some changing perspectives um especially i think among younger younger women to maybe stand up against some of these um misperceptions, these pressures, these stereotypes, but largely these are still at play and they touch on everything from body image to the way that women are supposed to act, behave, to um, implications of the Me Too movement and violence in society. And I think it kind of touches on all of these things that have just come to the forefront in the past couple of years. There, well, there's one part in the video that I was able to personally uh, relate to just as it affected me in recent times to the point where it says, God, you look like a skeleton. Why don't you just eat? You look emaciated. You look sick. Eat a burger because I lost a bunch of weight last year to the point where people thought I was sick. And every time they said it, I thought, well, that kind of hurts. Like, I, this is the first time I've been sort of thin in my entire life. I was actually feeling kind of good about myself, but I was be- being made to feel not good. But that's just me as a man, and it's not something I'm used to dealing with, whereas with women, as I said to suggested to Greg and Loren earlier, I, I would suspect that it's exponential in terms of the pressure that women feel as it pertains to uh, body weight. It absolutely is. Uh, I think it's important that you mention that, though, because one of the things that I hope comes from the, this video is a lot of men and boys are watching it as well, and they're not only seeing kind of the stereotypes that maybe without even meaning to in some cases, they've helped to perpetuate, but it also draws attention to the unrealistic stereotypes that are put on men as well. And the fact that uh, many men do suffer with eating disorders, especially in the LGBTQ community, um, and kind of understanding that gender equality is this conversation that we all have a role to play in. Um, And it's, I think it's important that the, it may be a highlight on women in this particular clip, but it's, I think everyone can kind of relate to some of the messaging in one way or another, and that draws everyone into the conversation. So what do we do with this, Allison? Like, there was other people who also talked about the idea that um, they liked the video, but it's, they thought it was missing sort of a third side, if you will, like a, like a solution that in some respects they felt sad watching it and what they wanted women to feel was empowered to go on and, and do better, be better, react differently. So what do we take from it in terms of moving forward and having that part of the conversation? Well, I think those emotions are important to have. And I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing that the video kind of leaves you wondering, what is my role in this? What do we have to do afterwards? Um, it kind of leaves an open playing field for folks to maybe consider how they can play a role in the issue. Um, and currently, I'm sitting on a national working group for advancing conversations of gender equality with young people in Canada. And these are the kind of things that we're looking at. How can we create a strategy that reaches out to young Canadians of all genders, of uh, folks who don't conform with genders, and what can we do to kind of 
um, mitigate against these negative stereotypes? How can we advance conversations in a way that moves away from this and promotes a more equitable society? Um, because we're hearing all of these things, all of these stereotypes continue to be at play. And while there is a bit of a shift, I can feel it, there is a bit of a shift in the way that we discuss things, the outcomes have not changed. And gender inequality remains extremely rampant. So we have to really start advancing these conversations and coming up with strategies to um, basically fight against them. Part of this, Allison, for me, is that, that we're so free, it, it feels and seems, to comment on other people's lives, what they look mm-hmm. like, what they do, how they how they conduct themselves. And so from that standpoint, is that one of the things we need to overcome is basically people learning to mind their own business? I, I think that's a good way of putting it. But honestly, yeah, um, I, I don't think that how someone looks or acts or whether they um, their tone is what is stereotypically expected of them has any place in our society or in our professional lives. Um, like I'm a I'm a law student and I'm entering a profession that is largely historically male dominated, um, and this is many other professional faculties as well. You look at business, medicine, law, politics. Um, the number of women who are partners in firms, the number of women who are appointed to um, be judges, the number of women who are running for office. Like, it's slowly starting to change, but these are still very real inequalities that we face. And then if you look at folks who maybe are gender nonconforming, who are transgender, or who are women of color, the rates are even lower. So there's, there's still something that we need to do to get past this. And maybe trying to look beyond the stereotypes is a way to do that. The messaging that is delivered here, the be a lady and all the various components of this, is it predominantly men who are guilty of, of foisting these standards upon women, or are women also guilty in sort of holding women to this kind of a standard? I think everyone's complicit, honestly. Um, I think the media and um, what we have kind of allowed to be perpetuated in the media is also largely to blame. Um But I I think women have a role to play in this as well, because um, you always hear about you like you watch any TV show or movie and you see women coming after other women. Um, And I think that's a narrative that's been starting to really be pushed forward, that women need to support other women. Um, But like I said, I, I think men need to take a look at their role in this as well. And if that can help them also reflect on what kind of standards are arbitrarily forced on them as well. I think that's a good thing to reflect on. All right, Allison Kilgore, University of Manitoba Law student and co-chair of the National Youth Working Group on Gender is our guest. Maybe one more question before we go, Allison. For for people like me and Greg who watch this uh, with an open mind, and uh, I mean, I acknowledge some of the messaging in this. I, I confess, you know, 20, 25 years ago, I, I probably thought, yep, that's just the way the world is. Uh, but now my eyes are open. But what, what can we do to, to help make things better? I think be open to change, be open to having these conversations, Um, make an effort to not perpetuate these stereotypes and keep up to date with what's going on. I think it's really timely that this video came out pretty much at the same time that we found out that Harvey Weinstein was uh, actually going to be convicted on some of the charges. Um, Times are changing uh, and that's just the way it's going to be. We have government money going into working groups to change the conversations that we're having to engage young people. And I think that folks who maybe don't feel as though they've been as engaged in this topic 
just need to really think about what am I doing to make the problem worse? What can I do in allyship to help fix and find a solution? And whether that's supporting the initiatives that are already going on, whether that's encouraging people to share these things online, to have a conversation, to bring it up at your dinner table, to say, wow, this is really not okay, and we need to have a conversation about what this means for you. Allison Kilgore. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us about this important topic. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And if by chance you have not seen this video and you would like to, we have linked the video to our 680CJOB Instagram story. It runs under three minutes, so it won't take a long time. But in mm-hmm. that three minutes, uh, a message will be delivered that is very powerful. And as Greg pointed out, it just sort of is a reminder, like, holy crap, it yep. is tough to be a woman. And it also, for me, when to Allison's last point, it... With the range of emotions I felt at the end of it all, what I really was thinking is, man, it's time to rise up and speak up because this is enough. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.